Good morning, afternoon, or evening. You may delete as appropriate. I'm Chad Lemon for this uh, episode of Ministry Bits. We're going to do something a little bit different, and uh, I believe the next episode will have something a little bit different as well. But I'm going to uh, play for you uh, the recording that we took for the class that I took that I uh, did at the M2Y conference. That's the Ministering to Youth conference, and that was in Chattanooga, Tennessee, this past weekend, the first few days of October, 2015. And uh, it's a great event. They've got all sorts of different tracks and different things. So if you're a youth minister, youth worker, you should be uh, checking out this event. But I was able to present two classes, Technology and Ministry. This is the one that you're going to hear in just a second. And uh, Dangers and Pitfalls in Technology. And that will be the next episode of the podcast. But I figured I would just turn these into a few episodes of the podcast and allow you to um, hear those. So I present to you now uh, my presentation on October 1st, 2015. Uh, for uh, technology in ministry. Enjoy. Well, good afternoon. It is certainly wonderful to uh, be here with you. And uh, I'm going to just get set up for a little bit here again. I do want to tell you that before you start furiously taking notes and writing and everything, you can still do that. I'm going to have slides, notes, and audio of this, uh, this one available as well as the one I'm doing tomorrow at the same time. Same bat time, same bat channel tomorrow. Um, and I believe it's even in here at the same uh, time. So you want to talk about that? We're going to talk about, talk about dangers and pitfalls in ministry uh, tomorrow. So both of those will be available at this web address. It's not currently up, and that's on purpose because as soon as I get the audio for this one, I'm going to post my notes and slides for this one as well. So it will be up as soon as uh, this class is over with, as soon as I get time to post it. Uh, that's also my personal website, and I have a lot of different uh, articles and different things like that available to you. A lot of different resources, devotionals, classes uh, available for free. Take them, copy them. I just got out of a legal, talking about legal social media class and the, the law, and I'm telling you to just go copy everything. Just take it. It's all free. I don't care. Um, so uh, go do that, and... Um, just kind of give me a shout out. Give me a shout out on on Twitter. I'm at, uh, at Chad Landman, C H A D L A N D M A N on Twitter, and uh, I'd love to uh, talk to you about anything. I do have some information um, available as well about the digital parenting stuff um, that has really taken off. I just got through doing my 14th um, digital parenting seminar in Texas uh, last month. And that's the 14th in about 18 months. So it's really, uh, really taken off, and it's really uh, great stuff. It's good, uh, good material that uh, a lot of parents need to hear. So, but we're going to talk about technology in ministry. Okay, so uh, using technology in ministry, should you use it? Yes. Class over. Let's pray. Right. Okay. So, what? How do you do that though? And how do you do it effectively? And what kind of things can you fall into uh, as far as? Um, what dangers? We're going to talk about big dangers tomorrow, but I'm going to address one or two today. Um, this is not a class for those that are experienced in using lots of great technology in your classes. If you came here to figure out a lot of, you're getting a, an insight into all these other different things, then you, you might be in the wrong class. However, if you're looking to improve, if you're looking to um, maybe broaden your horizons, and maybe you feel like you're lacking a little bit in using technology or embracing technology. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Um, if you're coming to this class for any new revelations with technology, it's not necessarily what this is going to be. It's going to be very mainly philosophical about how to use it. Um, so all the notes and audio will be here. And I want to start off with this part. I want to start off, start off with this. Th- and I do, I do want to tell you this as well. Uh, I do a technology podcast for just for ministry. Um, and I have got, what, 36 episodes so far. I do a lot of different interviews with different, a myriad of different people, ministers, youth ministers, and a lot of different people. And uh, a lot of people seem to like um, this show, and I do a podcast called Ministry Bits. So if you want to check that out, it's at chadl.co, don't do the .com, .co slash mbits, and you can find that there. And if you guys want to be on the show, I'd love to have you on the show and talk to, talk to you about what you do and how you use technology in your ministry. So just let me know about that. The thing that I want to start off with, uh, and I did talk about the digital parenting, the church is kind of like Congress. We're about 10 years behind the power curve. And I think that you can understand that very, very fully because most of the churches, and now some churches are doing it right. Some churches have uh, the technology, they wrapped up in a, in a, with a nice bow on it, and it looks really, really great. And it performs well, and they've got systems in place for different things like this, but that's not the majority. The majority 
is that your tech is about five to ten years behind. So what do we do about that? Well, and I really think that that's a very general statement up there on the, on the board here, but it's mostly true, and it's true because there's a lack of leadership, okay, that embraces modern technology, okay? Uh, put that in some simple language. Elders don't like technology. <laughs> they don't like to bring stuff into that's the, the newfangled stuff that the kids like, right? And we've got elders that are getting older and older and older and refuse to embrace this technology, and until they are out of that job and you get newer, younger elders who have grown up with more technology, this may be a problem for the next few years or maybe even a decade more before the church finally embraces technology. That's a whole class in and of itself. Uh, I think the second reason is a lack of people or staff to implement that technology. You may not even be the person in your church to implement that technology. You may not even know how to set up a server at your church. You may not know, know how to set up um, these different uh, projectors and Apple TVs to, in your classroom. Uh, you may not know how to do that, but somebody does. Somebody at your church does, so I'd encourage you to find them. And then I think number three, the reason why this statement is true it's because there's a general lack of knowledge about resources uh, and about, about technology and ministry. Uh, I told you about a little bit about one of those. Uh, my podcast, I've talked to a lot of people, and my eyes have even been opened. I think I'm just this super tech nerd and that I, you know, I don't know anything about a lot of stuff, but technology, I would think I know a little bit about it, and my eyes have been opened talking to some of these people on my podcast. So it's really been great to get everybody's different experiences across the board. And at the end of the class today, I'm looking forward to hearing some of your experiences if you've got something to share that you'd like to share with the rest of us. So what are we supposed to do about this? If we're 10 years behind, five years behind on this, if we're not like catching, if we're playing catch up constantly, what are we supposed to do about this? Well, I think very simply, we're supposed to educate. Oh, I got, I see, I got the points up here and I didn't even know. See, I've got general lack of knowledge, okay? And I think we're supposed to educate and we're going to see this again. Hmm. See, I'm talking about technology, and, and see, the technology is messing up on me. See, how, how ironic is that? We're supposed to educate and embrace, I think. We need to educate people. We need to educate our elders on the proper use of technology. I had a revelation. I moved to Graymere four months ago, and I can text my elders. I'm telling y'all, it's the greatest thing ever. Because when I can text, and some of y'all will be like, well, I text my elders all the time. I've never had elders that I could text and say, hey, can I, you know, is this good? I can text my elders. That's, that's amazing. That's embracing modern technology. Because, you know, you think about people, people, kids don't, I mean, kids less than 10 years old don't send emails. Okay? They don't know what email is. People, kids in high school, they don't know what email is. They're not going to send an email. They're going to log on to their email and send you an email. They're going to send you a text message. Texting is how modern people communicate. So that's kind of a sub-lesson there. If you're not embracing text messaging, then you need to be. Um, If you're not embracing that kind of medium, that has become the absolute norm across the board. Um, We need to educate people on the proper use of technology, and we need to not make it so complicated. If you look at an iPad... And I can see my 93-year-old grandmother using an iPad. Anybody can use an iPad, okay? Uh, the woman didn't even have an iPhone, never had. She had a flip phone that was probably 12 years old, and she can use an iPad. Technology has actually, when you look at it, has become simpler and a better, easier to use. and easier to bar- The barrier of entry has been lowered significantly in the last 10 years. So we should be able to educate our congregations, educate our elders or leadership on technology. Um, you can drive a lesson from an Apple TV with a projector or an iPad. You can do that. I could have done that wirelessly here if I'd have brought my Apple TV with me. Um, you can literally have your entire church website redesigned and done and ready to go in six hours using a, a, an app called Squarespace. I've done it. And I, I have a little bit of experience with that, but I have done it. It is absolutely excellent. Um, you can build your own app for your ministry in just a week or two and have it on the store ready for them to download. You can do these things today. Technology is amazing. Um, this is the golden age of technology for churches, and we are seeing 
some of these churches, and I'm just going to go ahead and mention some of the, I guess, I guess non-traditional churches, non, um, I don't know, uh, I think of uh, Elevation Church and um, the Village Church who have these very interactive, I'm sure you've seen them, very interactive apps, very snazzy websites and everything like that, and they get technology right. Now, you can argue that they may lean against technology a little too much, and we'll talk about that as well, but if we look to them as kind of an example of how to implement, not necessarily their message, but how to implement, then we're going to be kind of going on the right track because we have to get more interactive with our technology. We have to raise the bar with our technology in our churches, um, and especially in your youth ministries. This afternoon, I'd like to offer you three sections of five. We're going to do five suggestions. I'm going to do five suggestions, so 15 in all. We're just going to kind of go through them here. Uh, the first five is some practical things that to remember when you're implementing this technology. Ministers, youth ministers, whatever, whatever kind of um, section of the church that you find yourself in, kind of practical suggestions there. The second five is to use technology for your church, how to use technology, ideas, to how to use technology in your church and your ministry. And the third five is, is uh, helpful apps and services that I have found that make utilizing technology a little bit better. I'm going to talk about Squarespace. I'm going to talk about an app called Como that you can create apps with, all sorts of different things here at the end. So let's get on to it. So practical things to remember here. Um, don't ever let your tech speak louder than the word. I think this is the pitfall that's, and we're going to talk a little bit about this tomorrow as well, but I think this is the pitfall that we fall into. Because we're, we get bombarded by the shiny stuff. And we, we lose our focus on what's really important. And I don't want to spend exactly too much time on this, but people should always be looking at Jesus rather than your shiny technology. Um, you should always start with the Word. I, I always, I've heard that expression that's been used, you know, when you're doing a sermon illustration or you're finding an illustration for your class. Well, you find the Scripture before you find an illustration for it, right? You start with the word, and then you build an illustration for it, right? Not the other way around. And it's kind of the same thing with technology. If you're spending three, four, five hours on a presentation or a PowerPoint or a video and an hour in study, you need to flip those around because your priority needs to be in the word. And sometimes you need to walk into a class, you've got this giant 60-inch television set and you've got this projector that's from, you know, 2025 and you've got all these crazy awesome gadgets and this wireless stuff and everybody's on their phones and all the kids are on their phones. And sometimes you just need to walk in there and say, "Hey, put your phones down. We need to talk." Open your paper Bible and let's talk. Sometimes you need to throw technology out. Sometimes. Now, I'm saying not all the time. This is a class about using technology, but sometimes you don't need to lean on it too, too much. So, don't ever let your text speak louder than your word. Number two, we need to embrace what the kids and what the church is using. Okay? Embrace what the kids and the church are using. Now, this is, this is, a, this is a pretty difficult idea, I think. Because for a long time, I really preached hard against Snapchat. When Snapchat was brand new, I was all about saying no to Snapchat. Hey, Snapchat's evil. Snapchat causes your kids to do bad things. Snapchat will send your kids straight to hell. All this other stuff, right? And you say you don't need to use... Well, now it's become the norm. And every single kid is on it. So what are you going to do about that? Well, I'm not saying if you can't beat them, join them kind of thing, but you kind of need to embrace what the kids are using. You kind of need to show them the positive side while at the same time educating them on the dangers of using something like Snapchat. Um, if you openly fight against technology in your classrooms and in your church, you will lose. If you openly fight against it, if you say, well, drop your phones in the basket, we're not going to be using this, a technology-free zone. If you fight against that, you will lose. Your kids will be turned off by that. They won't invite their friends just fill in the blanks for all these different things that will happen. There's something to be said about putting down your phones every now and then, but, you know, I hate this phrase. I'm getting to be, I'm, I'm going to be 34 next month, and, and I hate using this phrase, but kids these days, right? Kids these days, they're constantly connected. They're tethered to their phones, but you know what? We are too. We may not want to admit that, but we really are. 
And if we look around our congregations and we see the 35 and the 45 and the 55-year-old, we'll see that they're connected and tethered to their phones constantly as well. So we need to kind of embrace this technology because it's something that can be used as a tool for spreading the gospel, uh, especially with smartphones. Um, I have an illustration that I'm going to talk about tomorrow, but you know, if you take a phone, and you may not think about it this way, but if you take this device, you can literally access the wealth of all human knowledge. Never in the history of mankind have you been able to have something in your hands to to literally find anything you want, good or bad. You can find anything that you want. I'll talk more about that tomorrow, but we have to remember that, that these devices are incredibly powerful. Let's not forget that. Let's use those as tools for looking into the Word, for interacting with the Word, for getting the gospel to all the corners of creation. Um, you know, instead of telling them to put their phone away, I just have some suggestions here. Uh, have them open up a Bible app. You know, I know the, the argument is, well, the kids aren't reading their Bibles. They're playing, you know, Minecraft on their phone during class. Well, encourage them not to play Minecraft on their phone during class. Encourage them to have their phone open to their Bible app and nothing else. They can do that. Um, the Uversion Bible app actually allows you to post notes directly to it so they can actually follow along. If you go into Uversion Live, I'm sure you've seen that before. That's a really cool thing because it's based upon location. It's not based upon any type of thing that you really have to do. So you post these notes to Uversion Live, and anybody that's, that searches Gray Mirror Church of Christ or whatever, fill in the name of your church, that's gonna, the notes are going to come up there, and they can see those and follow along with those and sometimes even interact with those on, on a thing. It's really, really neat. Uh, you can use an app called PollAnywhere.com. Write that down. It's really cool to use on a big screen uh, or a projector and have your kids text in answers to questions. You can ask a very hard Bible question or something and have a representation, a real-time representation, so long as you're connected to Wi-Fi. It will, when they text, they can, it'll send responses and it'll show you real live. So, do you think this is right? Yes or no? And it'll have bar graphs that go up and down based upon the responses that the kids are texting in their answers. It's really, really cool stuff. I'm sure you probably have seen that. Uh, at Graymere, we've started Im- uh, implementing iPad minis in all of our kids' classrooms uh, to take attendance and to keep track of visitors. It's really cool for us to be able to use this app called Min- Ministry Hub. It's actually M-I-N-H-U-B, MinHub. And um, I think you pay 15 bucks for the app, and it's yours. Uh, and you can, it'll keep spreadsheets for you. It'll keep statistics for you. And I've got some pictures of it here uh, later on in the class. But it tracks visitors. You, you give it to a fifth grader. Who, what fifth grader doesn't know how to use an iPad mini? You give it to them. They type in their information. Boom, you've got it. It's great. So embrace the technology. The last thing you want to have is a visitor come to your uh, Bible class and is turned off by you yelling at a kid to put their phone up. That's the last thing that you want. And that, I mean, just think about the the lasting impression. Well, you know, when I was 12, the kid's 20 years old now. You know, when I was 12, I went to a Bible class and the youth minister yelled at a kid to put his phone up and that that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Do you want that to happen? Do you want somebody to go a lifetime of not going to worship or not attending church because they were turned off by something to do with these silly phones, so don't do that. Um, the third thing I have is educate parents and teens on the dangers. And like I said, this is kind of a little bit of overlap for tomorrow's class, but we're going to talk in depth about this tomorrow. This is huge. Um, this is what my class will deal with tomorrow afternoon, dangers and pitfalls in technology. But very succinctly, there's a lot of bad stuff on the internet. I'm sure you know that. It doesn't have to take a genius to figure it out. But there's a lot more bad on the internet that you can find that there is good. And the odds of your child or the children in your youth group or someone who's a young person or a teenager finding that bad stuff, the odds of them running into that even accidentally are very, very good. So we need to be aware of all of that. Um, The question is, what are you doing? I'm, I'm sure some of you have children of your own. What are you doing to protect your own children and family? And secondly, what are you doing as a minister to help protect the children in the youth group and help empower those parents? What are you doing? 
That's the whole purpose of my active digital parenting is that it's active and you're literally parenting in the digital place. You're constantly having to do it. That's the whole purpose of that. So what are you doing to help your parents understand technology and keep their kids safe? It's not your job. That's not your job. Just like Lonnie Jones says, youth ministry is a supplement to parenting, to good parenting. As a youth minister, there's, you have sev- wear several hats, and I think one of those being that we understand technology maybe a little bit better than parents, and we need to help parents understand this. It's their responsibility to implement all that stuff at home, but we need to help them understand it. Um, and the fourth and fifth ones I have are always statements. I have always tweak. Um, I'm a tech nerd. I'm always changing the things that I'm using to find something that's more efficient. I'm always changing uh, different things that I'm doing to figure out how to do it the best way and faster and more efficiently and all these different deals. So I'm always looking at these different things. And I think that we should be always be looking for ways to improve our technological lives, so to speak, and create a better situation for people to experience the gospel. And if we can do that with technology, if we can use that as a tool, I think that we should. Um, maybe this is something really subtle, like Philip in there who was just talking. He used, did, you, did anybody notice what he was using instead of PowerPoint? He was using Prezi. Now, have y'all, how many of y'all have heard of Prezi before? Okay, of course. It's a pretty well-known thing. I actually found out about it a number of years ago. And it was kind of one of those things like, what is this? Nobody knows about this. And it was kind of clunky to use, but it was super cool. What if you just used that one week instead of using regular old PowerPoint? Who knows? Design and good design and all those different things can go a long way at presenting the Word and presenting the Gospel to people. Um, Maybe this is something like changing graphics in your bulletin, redesigning your bulletin. You never know what kind of... Um, impact that can make, making it easier to find information. Redesigning your website, making it easier for people to find information about your church, about um, your activities, all those other different things. People respond to improvement. Kids respond to improvement. And they may not say anything about that like that, like, oh, I liked your PowerPoint presentation. They may not say that, but they respond to good design and they respond to improvement. Uh, people see effort when it is applied, and they will see something that's half done or that's not done well. So always be tweaking. And the second thing, or the fifth thing rather, is always search for something new. Um, there are new apps and services on the horizon every single week, it seems like, probably every single day. All you got to do is find them. Uh, what's the, I think the, find, the number now is something like, I think there's 60, 60 million, 6 million apps on the App Store, something like that, just on the iOS App Store. I think there's even more on Google. So it, it blows my mind. You know, you could go to resources like adventuresinministry.com. I'm a little biased towards them because I work with them, but they have a ton of great stuff. They have a series of eight videos that's absolutely free that some really good-looking guy put together. And, man, he did a great job, okay? But... All that kind of stuff is out there. What, what is your website? Um, Whoa, hey, caught you off guard, didn't I? Walkinginhisfootsteps.com. Okay, walkinginhisfootsteps.com. Tons of blog posts and different things on, his, on Jonathan's website right there. There are people doing great work out there. Starttofinish.org. Um, they are unbelievable. It is un- Michael Whitworth is a machine that is pumping out. He's like a factory for awesome stuff. And so if you're looking, you know, there is, there is no excuse. You know, we used to have the excuse about five or ten years ago, hey, this, kind of, this brotherhood stuff is kind of... But we don't have that excuse anymore because there's a lot of great stuff out there. You just got to look for it, ask other people about it, and find it. Um, so always be looking, always be searching for those different things. I like um, one, one it's, a, it's, it's not a Church of Christ uh, brotherhood, whatever you want to call it, but Church Mag. Uh, Church Mag is really cool. Um, if you search that on Google, you'll find it. I think it's churchm.ag. It's a weird URL. Uh, Ministry Bits, my podcast I talked about. Um, some of the podcasts, if you're not listening to podcasts, 
you got to listen to podcasts, man. Get you the, the Apple podcast app is built right into the phone now. There's no excuse for There's no barrier of in, entry here. Uh, I, some of the podcasts I love, the Church Tech Podcast. They literally have just the Church Tech Podcast. Uh, the Social Media Church Podcast. And then there's one that I really like called the Ask Daryl Podcast. Those are really, really great. Um, then you've got the, the ones that are just biblically based uh, that Michael Whitworth has been putting out. He's doing one on Genesis now, week by week. He's doing chapter by chapter, week by week on Genesis. Uh, you can take that, adapt it to lessons. Uh, you can take his material, adapt it, all sorts of really great stuff. Always be searching for something new because there's always something new out there. And the brotherhood, quote unquote, is getting better and better at this. It was slow on the uptake a little bit maybe, but we're getting better and better at this, in my opinion. Okay? So, ideas. I got a couple of ideas here. Ideas for using your tech in ministry. Update. Update, update, update. Now, some of you may have good equipment that you have, and some of you may not. Um, I can make fun of Graymere because I work there, but you don't have to walk very far until you see one of those giant CRT monitors, okay? Running something, right? Update your tech. And it's kind of a um, random thing to say, but you would be surprised at what new stuff can get you. Now, obviously, that's a problem sometimes for churches because that costs money. But it would be very surprising to you how much money it doesn't cost these days. Um, before I actually was employed at, employed at Graymere, they actually asked me to update their television studio because they wanted to begin shooting in high definition. And um, I said, well, okay, I'll, I'll work on, you know, kitten. They said, we're going to rebuild it from scratch. And they said, our budget is $25,000. And I said, whoa, whoa. Do you realize that for $5,000, I was able to buy everything that a normal professional grade studio would have? And we put together professional grade stuff every single week. $5,000. And it's absolutely wonderful. You know, they had cameras in there that were more than $5,000 from 20 years ago. The tech has really, the cost, has, the barrier of entry has just gone way down. Uh, you can get a 60-inch television and mount it up on your wall in your youth room for 500 bucks. You're one question away from a, from a member that's got a little bit of money to say, hey, could you give us 500 bucks for a TV? You know, how big of a difference would that make in your classroom? Just think about that. So update your tech. If you can, update your tech. And when you present that, you know, I know y'all know this as being ministers, but when you present that to elders, don't just say, hey, uh, I need $13,000 for uh, technology upgrades. Uh, you don't just walk in and say that. If you give elders a plan, because most elders are businessmen, right? You give elders a plan. Hey, I broke it down. This is how much I did this and how much. Our youth minister at Graymere walked in two years ago and said, I need $35,000 to renovate our youth activity center. And he had a 20-page document ready for them to go and itemize everything that he was going to do. They approved it on the spot. Now, I'm not saying that your elders will do that, but you present them with a plan, and when it seems insurmountable, you'd be, you might be surprised at what elders say yes to if you have a good plan in place. It's the, the attempts that you go into an elders meeting and say, well, you know, I wanted $500, but uh, I didn't really know why. I don't have a plan. You know, it's just kind of that kind of attitude that elders really don't like. So just a side lesson there. Um, moving on, have a, uh, this is an idea, and this was a really, really cool, have a game and tech night with the senior adults in your congregation. Now, what we did, I did this at Church Street when, when I was there uh, not too long ago. In fact, it was about this time last year. We had a game night where the older members of the congregation, we all had sign-ups, and the teens came. It was just like a normal game night, like on a Tuesday night or something. And the older adults brought their games. They brought dominoes and cards and go fish and all these other older games, real physical, not computer games, but real physical games that the kids were able to be taught and played. And then for the last half of that event, we turned it around, and the older people had brought their cell phones. And the kids sat down with one of them one-on-one -on -one and taught them how to use their cell phones, taught them different, that they had questions. These kids are wizards at this stuff. It is unreal how much. They teach me stuff. And I think that I'm like this you know, super Apple nerd. They teach me stuff all the time. So they know about these devices and they know how to manipulate them, how to fix some of them. 
uh, all this other stuff. Have them sit down with your, and that has a whole range of different great things that's happening. You're getting older generation to interact with a younger generation, something that is, I think, very lacking in most of our churches. Just an idea. Number uh, three, these two are pretty self-explanatory, and you've probably already done them, but number three is create an Instagram account. Number four is create a YouTube account. Now, Instagram is the fastest social network, fastest growing social network on the planet right now. They just passed 400 million users. All of your kids, you probably know, are on Instagram. So, what does that tell you? Either you should be tweeting or, excuse me, you should be posting on Instagram yourself and having the kids follow you, or you should have a dedicated youth group account or a church account that you're using. Here's what I did, and I'll tell you what I did, and it worked. I I didn't really take it from anybody else, but I thought, what if I could, you know, I can't really, I can take pictures and different stuff like that, and I can create these crummy graphics on my phone and everything, but what if I took it to the next level? So I took and I did, used my... um, my graphics knowledge and creating graphics and created graphics for different events in the square Instagram format. And all I did was like a little 2000 by 2000 pixel document and I threw stuff up on it and we'd have be having, you know, Wednesday night meals. We'd have Chick-fil-A. I'd throw a Chick-fil-A logo up there and make it look nice and everything. I'd save that to Dropbox. Then I'd go on my phone and navigate to the Dropbox app, save the image to my camera roll and then post that on Instagram you would be incredibly surprised at the uptick that I saw in attendance. Attendance went from 15 or 20 on a Wednesday night meal to 35 or 40, almost within a couple of weeks. Now, I don't know if Instagram was to blame for that, but all I knew is that when I started doing that, I had the kids start following me. And they start they were more informed because on Instagram, they just all they do is this. They're scrolling through it. And they see that photo, they stop at it, they see every all that information right there on the photo because make sure that you put all the information on the photo on Instagram because they don't ever read the captions. They really don't. Because you can put any kind of information in the caption, they will never read it. But they'll see the photo. So if you have something attractive there, and that goes back to using design, using uh, things that you know that you're using the strengths and uh, appealing to the kids and embracing what they're using. I saw a great up, uh, uptake in, in attendance for that, and it was a big difference. Um, YouTube account, I've got that. And most of you probably have a YouTube account, which is self-explanatory. But kids, when they think of watching something on the Internet, they think of YouTube. There's no Vimeo. There's no going to CNN.com to watch this video. There's no none of this. Like they, they think about YouTube when they're thinking about watching a video online. And if you have videos for your church, for your youth group on YouTube, they're going to see them. Ask them to subscribe. Um, if you have, you can actually have a, a multiple YouTube accounts under one account. YouTube has actually changed that in the last year or two to let you navigate that a lot easier. Really, really cool stuff. So Instagram and YouTube to me are the biggest ones. Now, the big myth is that no kids are on Facebook anymore. I know kids don't, kids aren't on Facebook anymore because their parents are, right? That's actually not true at all. Uh, because while the kids are not maybe maybe posting or sharing things on Facebook, they're on Facebook still. And they're checking and they're reading. So that's just one more avenue for you to have a Facebook channel and kind of cross-promote and cross-post all these different things to all those different services and stuff. And it can get very overwhelming very, very quickly because you're already doing announcements at the church. You're already putting stuff in the bulletin. You may be even doing a youth newsletter. Uh, You're sending an email out to the parents. You're sending text message alerts out to the parents, maybe through an app or just regular text messages. And then you've got the Instagram account, the Facebook account, the YouTube account. So you've got all these list, laundry lists of stuff to do just to post one thing. There's really not a great solution to post to all those things. Um, so it requires a lot of management on your part, and that can get difficult. But mainly appeal to what your congregation is using. Appeal to what your kids are using. And you'll find that reaching them, just ask them, hey, what are you all using? If you, are y'all using are all y'all using the Snapchat story book thing or whatever it's called, then maybe you should start posting stuff on that and having them follow you on that. Just think about be where they are, basically. Okay, so YouTube account. So I've got five ideas um, using tech and ministry. The fifth one is to host a digital parenting seminar, and I talked about this, but 
even if you don't have somebody like me come out and talk to your parents uh, and stuff like that, you can dive into a one topic and tackle one topic yourself. Uh, you can dive into Snapchat and talk to parents about it. You can dive into a certain subject like um, iPhone parental controls, and you can teach uh, a class, a 45-minute class on that. I know, I know that you can do that. Um, or you can have somebody who's knowledgeable about those things come and talk to you. So have a digital parenting. Have one a year. Make it a regular part of your schedule just like you would retreat or EU or CYC or any of those different things. Make it a part of your trip. Make it half a Saturday, not in football season, and you'll have some pretty good attendance, okay, especially in Alabama, right? So, <laughs> okay, so last but not least, five helpful um, apps and services, Okay. And this is, uh, this is, I have personally used all of these services and apps, and I find them incredible. Squarespace, when somebody asks me to make a website for them, I refuse to use anything other than Squarespace. Because you can make Squarespace as minimal or as crazy busy as you want. You can put as much stuff on it as you want or as little as you want on it. And the great thing is, is it doesn't cost any more than hosting yourself, and it's all contained in one thing. The great thing is, is that Squarespace does a lot of work for you behind the scenes. And what I mean by that is Squarespace, when you pull up your website, your church website on your phone right now, what does it look like? Does it look atrocious? You can't, you can't navigate it? People can't look at it? Because 55% of people, when they first check out your church, if they're moving into your area, are looking at it on their mobile device. And that was from a few years ago. It's probably higher than it's probably 65% by now. So you need to have a website that looks good both on a big screen, on a computer screen, and this screen. Well, Squarespace does that for you. And it's all absolutely built in. Uh, for $95 a year, you can get this. And um, just go to squarespace.com. And if you actually sign up, I want you to write down my email as well because I've got a promo code that I can give you. And it'll give you 10% off. So that's like almost 10 bucks off per year. If you sign up for a year, you can actually get a domain with it. You can get a .com with it. But when I put hover up here, if you've got an existing domain, odds are most of your churches, in fact, probably all of your churches, have an existing website and existing .com. Well, hover makes it easy. When you say, I have this .com, you know, we have churchchrist.com, and we want it transferred from whatever domain registrar we have to hover. Well, Hover is fantastic, and they have, this, uh, they have phenomenal customer service, and they cost just as much as anybody else. Uh, they're not any more expensive. What they really have, and what I really love, is that when you put these two together, Squarespace and Hover, instead of having to change settings and change numbers and get some you know, IT technical person to go and transfer your site over and tie it to your website on the Internet, you have like one or two clicks, and it's already connected. Fantastic. Um, I cannot highly more recommend Squarespace and Hover to, for your website needs. So if you have an aging website, if you have a website that, that doesn't look all that great, that really, really needs updating, give this a look. It doesn't cost any more. And in fact, in some instances, it will be vastly cheaper than what you're already paying for. So look at those very, very much. Can't say enough about them. I know this is one that you have uh, used and that you know about, and this is kind of an example of Squarespace. Let me give you an example here. This is actually the new EU. I redesigned the EU site and put a whole new color theme, put a whole new banner image up there for our registration that went up there, and I did it in about 20 minutes. And I was able to change everything. You can see the interface right here on the left. You've got your pages. There's all sorts of different settings where you can change colors and fonts and different things like that. If you have a modern computer, a computer, modern browser, it works just fine. Anybody can learn how to do this. If you can learn how to uh, navigate through Microsoft Word and PowerPoint, you can do this. It's absolutely fantastic. Jonathan, is your website built on Squarespace, or do you ha you do have it? Okay. Now, and, and Jonathan is is famous for he'll text me about every once every month of the of a question I've never heard of before. It's a technical website question I've never even thought of or never even heard of before. There are limitations to what Squarespace can do. But they're no more limiting than I would say WordPress or jQuery or um, Joomla or any of those other ones that websites are built on. They're no more limiting than that. For some of the stuff that, I mean, some of the stuff that you've asked me about, 
you would have to have all sorts of custom stuff. He wanted multiple users at one point to be able to sign in to your website or whatever. Yeah, the yeah, it's something. Yeah, yeah, nothing that you. And the great thing about Squarespace is that you can, if you know somebody that that can write some code for you, that can write some custom stuff for you, all you got to do is plug it right in, and it's right there. You can alter any kind of page that you want. It's really, really cool. Um, any before I go on, I, I, when am I supposed to stop? Fifteen till. Okay. Um, I've got four more of these to go to, but anybody have questions about that before we move on? Okay. Um, let's move on really fast. And I'm using, um, there's, there's an example of Hover, super duper simple, super um, clean. Uh, they don't ask, you know, GoDaddy asks you about 11 times if you want to buy this, this, and this, and this, and this. They don't ask you any of that kind of stuff. They, they give you those services pretty much automatically already built in. Um, the next one I have is Evernote or OneNote. Now, some of you kind of maybe roll your eyes because Evernote is the app that you maybe love to hate um, because you either really, really, really love it or you really don't like it at all. But I'm telling you, I use Evernote for one thing, and it's absolutely changed how I do some research, whether it's from my materials or from materials that have been given to me. I use a, a scanner. You can use any kind of scanner you want. You can even use your phone in certain instances with Evernote, which is super cool. But one thing that you may not know about Evernote is it indexes every word that is on every document that you scan. And that is phenomenal to me because if I have a Fujitsu scan snap over here that can run 60 pages per minute through it and I run all my files through that and it scans it directly to Evernote, all of that becomes instantly searchable. So I can search indwelling of the Holy Spirit and it comes up with every single document that has that contained in it, words and everything. You can do it with receipts. You can do it with price tags on things that you're researching to buy for your church, whatever. You can do it for anything that has text on it that's readable by your phone's camera. The phone's cam- uh, phone cameras have gotten so good that they can read the text off of them now. It indexes all that and makes that searchable. OneNote actually just added this. And I actually like OneNote's interface. It's made by Microsoft, but Microsoft is doing some fantastic things here lately. Um, Just a side note of of that as well, Word and PowerPoint and Excel 2016 actually just came out. So you might want to go check that out, get a Microsoft 365 um, subscription. If you have access to a student email, you can get it for 79 bucks a year, which is like super cheap because they're going to be starting to probably up, make a major update to these every single year. And with the subscription, you automatically get that update. So, what, what's that? Four years. Four years? Wait, wait, four years what? Oh, okay, okay. So, yeah, so you get that for, for four years, so that's even better news. So, $79 for students, I think it's actually 99 for non-students or whatever. You can actually, I think they came out with something, you can just buy it outright. Um, for $150 with no subscription if you really want to do that. So Microsoft has, got, has gotten really good at different things. I've got an app uh, that I want to talk about uh, on iOS called Drafts. And I have uh, really talked about this a lot on my podcast, a little too much actually, because I, I really like this app a little too much. Um, and it is for iOS only. So if you've got an Android phone, sorry to, to leave you out of it. But it's iOS only. And basically this app is my scratch pad. Uh, and it's a scratch pad that I can send anything that I write down on my phone anywhere I want. So if I send, I can send out mass texts with it to my kids or to the, the people in the, uh, at, at church. I can send it to the ministers. Um, if I need to capture something really quick, it comes up. It's ready to type. There's no intro to it. There's no anything like that. But when you pull it up, it's ready to type and it becomes a scratch pad for me. And you wouldn't think you say, well, this, that's kind of weird. Why, why would I need something like that when I've got the notes app or something like that? Well, this thing is really fast. It's really dynamic. You can just take, because if you're like me, people find you in the church all the time and you need to write down stuff. And if I don't write it down, it doesn't get done. And this to me, gives me a little one of those little badges on it, the little red badge, to tell me how many notes or how many things that I've written down that need to be attended to. So I can go through that list and say, okay, I can get rid of this. I don't need this. I need to send this to Dropbox. I need to send this to a text message to somebody. I need to send this to a grocery list. And you can send it anywhere you want. And it's a fantastic app. Uh, I think it costs a little bit of money, but I think once you dive into it and get to using it for a week, you'll wonder why you never had it before. 
Um, so it's really, really great. And that's drafts. It's a, <laughs> I love the developer's name as well, Agile Tortoise. So um, the fourth one I talked about is MinHub, and I've got some, um, uh, I've got some things right here. This is a kind of a screenshot of an iPad on, on MinHub, and you can see you can break it down by a lot of different things. You can have students, uh, student list, groups, events, um, statistics, and you can go to a whole different level of different things like that. We're starting to use this at Gray Mirror, and it's actually coming in handy a lot because it's keeping track of who's there, when they're there. Teachers have been trained to use it. Uh, it's very, very easy to use, and you can see that it spits out a lot of great data for you. Uh, so if you're wondering, hey, what's my percentage of girls to guys on my retreat? Is it 52, 48, or whatever? Then you can actually see that, who's ever signed up for your retreat. You can then put that data into this iPad app, and it keeps track of it for you. Uh, here's another shot. Um, this is what I was talking about, where you can hand it to a visitor and say, hey, I don't want to get in touch with you later on. And this is a non, it feels like a non-intrusive way. Even though they're giving you more data, it feels more non-intrusive giving a fifth grader or a tenth grader an iPad and say, hey, could you put your you know, name and, and email and you know, address and phone number, social security number, stuff like that in there? Could you do that for us? You know? And so they just type it in, and you just make sure that, hey, this is just for us to contact you and talk to you about you know, coming back and seeing us, and we're happy that you're here. And it's proven really, really great for us, and it's really cool when you can hand it to a fifth grader and they go, whoa, an iPad. You know, they just, they just wow, I'm actually doing this on an iPad. So... It's really cool. That's MinHub, and you can find it on the App Store. Uh, do they have, is anybody searching on your Android phone? I actually didn't even think about this till now. Do they have an Android app? They say it's coming soon. Yes. Okay. Okay. So they say it's coming soon. I, I did. They said a year ago, too. So. Oh. Well, they, they made a big update to it. Yeah, they did. So they're, they're on track. And I, I think so. I think it syncs. Yes. And the thing is, is we have all of our, what we had to do is set up a new email address on a different iOS, Apple account for all of these iPads to be on the same thing. So I wouldn't use your personal Apple ID for this app, especially if you're letting, you know, but if you're using it for your personal use and you don't really have a lot of different people and a lot of different iPads using it, if you're just using it for like your high school class, then that would probably be fine. But the setup initially is a little bit difficult, but once you get through all that, um, this app has proven to be really, really cool for us. One of my favorite things about this is you can do the smart filters. I love that. Who is here Sunday but not Wednesday? Yeah. And then you can text the kids who are here Sunday but not Wednesday because those are the kids that you may want to be there on Wednesday, but those who aren't even there Sunday don't even bother asking them to be there Wednesday. Yeah, you can text the heathens and let them know that they're missing church and they're not going to be, you know, admitted into heaven. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, you can do that. So, and it's I love the smart filter aspect of that. And there's a lot of different other things that you can do. You can you can have lists upon lists of different things. What school they go to, uh, what, what county they live in. Some of y'all live in y'all have pretty spread out different places. Um, what what kind of area of the city that they live in. I think there's even a map that comes up at one point showing. Does it? Uh, maybe maybe positive. It's got a ton of stuff in this app. It's worth your 15 bucks just to buy it and just check it out, even if you don't end up using it. So. Well, when you have a thousand kids in your youth ministry like Jess does, I mean, you just you got to keep up with all of them. So, um, the last <laughs> the last one, um, the last one is is kind of a um, whoops. Let's go back up. Como and Subsplash. Now that that's weird weird names for stuff, but we actually, if you have downloaded the EU app, um, it was built with Subsplash, and that's a little bit expensive. It was around eight eight hundred or a thousand dollars to do that app. And, uh, but it's incredibly interactive and wonderful, and you don't have to pay. That's the initial cost. You don't have to pay uh, but three or four, five hundred dollars every year. Now we're talking about all. That. I'm throwing these hundreds of dollars money around like it's nothing, but if you want an app, that's probably what it's going to cost. Um, and uh, Como is another one that you can build it yourself, and it doesn't look nearly as as good, and it doesn't cost nearly as much either. But you're still going to pay several hundred dollars a year to have your own app in the app store and different things like that. Mobile apps are obviously huge. They've been huge, and they can just continue to get bigger because that's the first question 
uh, that kids are going to ask is, well, do we have an app for that? And you got to think about, is the cost worth the benefit? Are your kids going to actually use it? Because if you spend all this time and this money building this app, and then a year after it's been out, the kids aren't using it, and you're not using it for anything else, there's, a, there's easier ways to do push notifications than building a big whole app around it. Uh, you can use a service like Remind. I'm sure you all are very familiar with Remind. Um, to send out push notifications and group text messages and split them up by groups. I love Remind. Remind is very, very cool. Um, and Remind has figured out that it's not just for schools, that it's for uh, lots of different groups of people that like to use it. Um, any questions on any of these right here? Any of the stuff that we talked about before we wrap up today? I know it's been a ton of information, but uh, I really appreciate y'all listening. So any questions? No, no, no. That's I'm sorry. That was in. That's included. They pretty much do every. Yeah, iOS and Android. They do both of them for that price, at the same time. And it will be. It's one place that I don't. I'll, I'll tell you this. I, Subsplash is hard to understand, but the product that comes out of it is actually very, very good. Um, the way that they kind of structure how you have to update it and do it is kind of like not very intuitive. Intuitive. Um, Como, on the other hand, is, it's, one, it's cheaper, but it doesn't look as good. But at the same time, you've got a simulator right there on the page that shows you what your app looks like. Uh, so if you have any knowledge in putting graphics together or anything like that, it, it'll tell you what the sizes you need and stuff like that. And you can throw those in there and do different things, and you can make a very basic app for your youth group for just a couple of hundred bucks. And they'll, uh, if you pay them a, a small fee, I think they'll take care of all the... The hardest part with apps is actually getting them into the store. It's not actually designing them. It's actually getting them into the store. And so if you can have somebody do if you pay 50 or 100 bucks for somebody to do that for you, that's the hardest part. So they'll usually take care of that for you. They'll generate all the stuff that you need. Uh, I believe in both instances, you have to have a, there's a one-time fee for Google of $25 to be in their app store. And then there's a yearly fee for Apple of $99 to be in their developer program. Um, so stacking up the dollar bills there, I know, but um, it's well worth it to have something that you can say to visitors or somebody that's coming, hey, have you checked out our app? we got all our stuff on.